0: Let us pray before we get into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just heard these beautiful melodies and words. Lord, we believe in the Triune God. We believe in Him who died for us, rose from the dead. Lord, it is in You, our Good Shepherd, we could trust. Come to You, Lord, with our daily struggles. Even though we walk through the valley of shadows of death, we shall fear no, fear no evil. For you, our shepherd, are with us. Lord, may I decrease this morning, may you increase. Lord, it's not about the mess- uh, messenger, it's about the message. It's about you, Jesus. Lead us, guide us through your word. Your words are sufficient for life to quench our thirst. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Please open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms, uh, that beloved book in Scripture. We will be opening the book of Psalms to the chapter, 23rd chapter this morning, that well-known passage of Scripture. And as I soon I I know as I mentioned that the Psalm 23rd uh, 23rd, most of us, I would presume almost all of us, already have these verses memorized. A glorious psalm 23. It is one of the most memorized and most famous verses of all scripture. Aside from John 3.16, this particular psalm has been memorized by believers and non-believers alike. You might have stumbled upon this uh, psalm in a movie or maybe a show. Many consider it the most beautiful piece of literature of all time but for many has been highly regarded as the passage that would lift believers up in their times of struggle and fear. I mean, when the shadows of life are so overwhelming and fear creeps up on us, we remember that God is our shepherd. And rightly so, God in all its, all its context is our shepherd. But what does this mean to you and to me? What role does God play as a shepherd? And how are we the beneficiaries of such role? So before I get to the text, let me give you a little, bit, a little background on the psalm. This is a psalm of David second king of Israel. It is not clear when David wrote this psalm. Some believe that he wrote this piece of, of, of literature when he was way advanced in years. Some theologians argue that he wrote this psalm in a time of need, in a time of anguish. It could have been when Saul was persecuting him. Or maybe, perhaps, he was being He fled the city and his throne because of his son, Absalom. Maybe. Perhaps all of these bear some truth, but it's not important. That's why the Bible doesn't specify. What matters is the content of the psalm, and who is the protagonist of this piece of poetry. Let me reassure you of something. If you ever read this psalm, thinking that the psalm is about you or centered, centered up on your persecutions or trivial struggles, let me tell you something, you got it wrong. The psalm, Psalm 23's sole purpose is to teach the reader about the shepherd and not the sheep. Although we are beneficiaries of the shepherd's grace, we don't make this psalm about us. It is solely on exalting Him. Let us read. Psalm 23, God's Word says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a glorious passage. My hope this morning is that we look deeper at the role of God as a shepherd. That we understand what it entails that God is my personal shepherd how he draws us near as his sheep and ultimately to encourage us this morning, knowing that life is full of valleys and many shadows, but we have a faithful shepherd. I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe you're going through a nice, comfortable time in your life. Maybe you're going through the worst time in your life. But either way, it is a good refresher, whether you are in the valleys of shadow of death or not, to remember who your shepherd is. I've titled this sermon, The Lord is My Shepherd. It wasn't hard to come up with this title. It immediately highlights at you in the first verse. You don't have to become inventive or creative in creating this title. This is the perfect title to the psalm because it is the essential message, message of the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. That is the message. Now, doesn't this remind you of another famous passage in Scripture in John chapter 10 when Christ Himself says, He is the good shepherd. Encouraging. That our Lord is Our shepherd, it is a repetitive theme in Scripture. And thus, it must be important. In most of the Old Testament, God was regarded as the shepherd of Israel, as a nation. Psalms 81, Psalms 80 verse 1 says, Give ear, O shepherd of what Israel, who you led Joseph like a flock, You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. There are multitude examples of this. For example, Psalm 100, verse 3. Ezekiel, chapter 34, verse 31. Micah, chapter 7, verse 14. Jeremiah, 31, verse 10. imply that God is Israel's shepherd. But here's David. Calling his God, his shepherd. What a revolutionary idea this was, that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who maintains and sustains all with his power and glory, is his personal shepherd. Let me give you four points this morning. And hopefully this will help us draw us near to our shepherd when we are in times of troubles and when when we are wandering off as dumb sheep. These are the four points this morning. Number one, my shepherd provides. Number two, my shepherd cares. Number three, my shepherd protects. And lastly, number four, my shepherd saves. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at a, my shepherd provides. Point number one. Verse one and two says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. Here David gives us gives an image of a shepherd and his sheep. And how the shepherd provides for his flock. David is satisfied with the provisions that God gives him. And not only that, he is mostly satisfied in the shepherd. Himself. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The fact that God is His shepherd, he finds satisfaction in that statement because David understands that all life's provisions come from that shepherd. From God. Now as human beings, we find ourselves wandering off this world seeking the wrong things, don't we? The things that really don't fill our void. We look for superficial things instead of searching for the one that creates and provides. We are constantly in search for things that are limited and finite. I love that David sets sets things straight from the beginning of the psalm. He is telling us, I know I have needs. I know I want things. I mean, who doesn't? We all do. But I understand that the thing I want the most is the one thing that will hold and control and have control over my life. And David chooses the better part. David chooses God. Even as believers, it is easy to fall in love with the benefits of God. We love love what God has to offer, but we neglect the provider. We stay away from a relationship with Him, intimacy with Him. Theologian Frederick Buechner said this We long for what never comes, we pray for what never seems to be clearly given. But when the Psalm says, I shall not want, Maybe it is speaking utter truth anyhow. Maybe it means that if we keep our eyes open, if we keep our hearts and lives open, we will at least never be in want of the one thing we want more than anything else. Maybe it means that whatever else is withheld, the shepherd is never withhold from us. And he is what we want more than anything else. Hope, that is for us, that's what we desire most. That shepherd and not his provisions. This is exactly what David says. The giver is far more beautiful, far richer, more lasting than the benefits and provision he gives. Nonetheless, my shepherd provides. Should not fall in love with him, but he provides nonetheless. Look at the second verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. David gives us an imagery of God's provisions to his sheep, to his flock. But Let's take a closer look at what, how God does this. At first glance, it may appear as though the shepherd is guiding and leading his flock into abundant pleasures. I mean, green pastures and still waters. Sounds awesome. When many read this passage, immediately they think that God is a God that will not allow suffering in our lives. That somehow we are shielded from any problems or drawbacks. Some think that this passage means that God will never allow his children to go through any sort of need or necessity. That's not what the psalm is saying at all. This verse does not mean that our God will... Comfortably lead us through this life unscathed. What it really means in its context is that He will provide, as you're needing His protection, guidance and encouragement. Let me put it this way David was a shepherd himself. It was the most unwanted job in the Middle East. It meant that you had to work long hours, most of your time, you had to be by yourself through a horrible terrain. Predators, thieves, you name it. See, when the time of David was a shepherd boy in the Middle East, you, you barely found green fields and green pastures. I mean, he was pasturing or shepherding in valleys, rocky. But something happens. Something happens uh, in, in the Middle East. Um, you know, we, we think that when we see this green pastures, we think of the... Uh, the show, remember the show Little House on the Prairie? Who remembers that? You know when the Ingram girls were running and stumbling through the, through the meadow and the green fields? That is now what David is saying here. That's not what he was shepherding his flock. Not at all. In the context of time and space, something happens in the Middle East. Moisture, heat, and humidity kicks in. And below the rocks little green pastures started to appear. It wasn't abundant, but it was enough for the sheep to survive. That would mean that the shepherd has to know where to guide his flock so that they can eat from these small little patches. It meant that the flock or the sheep have to depend on the provisions of the shepherd, not in abundance, but what is needed. And these beloved, is precisely what David is saying. That he doesn't want because the shepherd is enough for him. He knows that the shepherd is good and he will provide what he needs. He is trusting and practicing contentment in the Lord. Now, what an awesome truth to practice. Contentment in the Lord. To learn to be satisfied in Him in much and in lesser. As Paul would put it in Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him. Who's the him? Christ, the shepherd, who gives me strength. Learn to be content with what God gives you now. You don't go searching for more and neglecting godly living. That's what it means. Neglecting the shepherd, searching for provisions. Don't spend countless hours at your office if not needed. Don't take more responsibility for riches if not warranted. Neglecting your family and most importantly, neglecting God. I wonder if you've ever given any thought that maybe the reason you don't get the salary increase or promotion is because because the Lord, the shepherd knows best and knows what, you, what knows that what you want is not the best for you right now. You might say, well, Dayron, inflation is 9, 10, 11, 12% up. Have you seen the prices of gas lately? Surely you must see how expensive grocery is. Of course I know. I'm not saying that aspiring for more is wrong. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, make sure these things are not made idols in your heart and pull you away from the flock and from the shepherd. Be careful on lusting for riches. There is a danger in pursuing wealth. We become self-centered, self-independent. Not needing of God. And that is why, precisely why God tells us not to love money. Hebrews 13.5 says, don't love money. It's clear as day. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That is the shepherd. And that is why David believed in the shepherd. And held them higher than his provisions. Dependence of wealth and riches will forever draw you far from the Lord. Because now you're self-dependent. Money becomes your God, doesn't it? We love money at times, right? Because it buys us everything. Even happiness, they say. Money may turn into an idol, replacing the shepherd who gives and provides. God becomes dispensable when we forsake the refuge in him and turn to money. Let me give you a tip. Maybe a suggestion or maybe a commandment. Take it way, whatever way you want. If you want to be provided for and never want, follow our Lord's promise in Matthew 6.33. He said, but seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. What are all these things? Everything you need. Food, clothing. He knows you to retire. He knows that. He'll provide it all. And he starts with the love of the shepherd, not his provisions. And don't think that contentment is only about money, because it's not. Maybe you're single and you're waiting for God's provision to come. Maybe you want a wife and you want, or you want a husband. I tell you, learn to be content in the waiting. Learn to see God's provisions in the time of need and want. You might be single, but guess what? God has not provided yet, and what He has provided is time time for you to be clo- in closeness with him for his kingdom purposes learn to wait on his provisions remember this the green patches of grass or green pastures may not be the solution you want but are the provisions you need Learn to trust our shepherd, for he is good. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Maybe spiritual, physical, or mental healing. But God has not provided with the healing you want. Learn to worship God in the time of waiting, because your shepherd is working out all things for your benefit. It may not be the benefit you're seeking, but it is the provision that you need to be more molded more like Christ. Take our sister Shui, for example. I cannot imagine what God is doing in her life right now. I can't imagine during her affliction. But I wonder the spiritual leaps and bounds she's hurtling right now. All I hear is that when someone goes to visit her, to encourage her, they come out more encouraged. And that is what our shepherd provides most. Spiritual growth and maturity. So in essence, beloved, my shepherd provides. But he also cares. Second point this morning. My shepherd cares. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Our Lord Christ is the good shepherd. Not only He provides a way for His sheep to come to Him and enjoy His benefits, He also has provided salvation to those who are called and heard His voice. Sheep are creatures of habit. Aren't we creatures of habit? They're dumb animals. They are. And sometimes so are we. Who are so used to living in flocks, and at times these sheep stumble and start to look for different paths. Isn't that us? In looking for a different road, these sheep at times encounter trouble. Terrible terrains and predators. Outside of the care of their shepherd, sheep are constantly in ever-present trouble. One of the roles of the shepherd is to care for his sheep. Not only to provide food and water, but to make sure they're well attended and cared for. The shepherd supplies aid to any wounds the sheep encounters and suffers. That's a good shepherd. Christ, beloved, is the good shepherd because he cares for the afflictions of his people, his sheep. Human shepherds understand what their sheep are. They kind of know what a sheep is. But our God, the good shepherd, understands, beloved, because He became a lamb. He became one of us. He's not like a human sheep, a shepherd that goes with his flock and kind of sort of understands. He understands. He is a high priest He knows your afflictions, so he knows how to care. He doesn't leave you leaping and wandering in pain. No, he he doesn't do that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every, every, every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Nice disclosure there. Hebrews 15. So when someone loses a family member or a dear friend, know that our high priest understands. Our God understands because he endured the loss of his beloved and only begotten son. So he understands. He cares. He's not far from you. He is there beside you, putting his hands upon you. He's in the valley of the shadows of death alongside you. He's walking with you. Notice that he has not left you alone because he cares. Now, grieving is a normal part of the human experience. And our shepherd is willing and wants to mourn with you because he himself grieved. He knows. He understands our needs and our human weaknesses. He is the good shepherd. Even when our pain and suffering, He cares to rescue us because sometimes pain is so painful that we as sheep, what do we do? We, we go astray because of the pain. We start blaming God for our, our pain and say, well, it's your fault. Why, do you, why have you done this to me? And sometimes we wander off in our pain. But He is the good shepherd that leaves the 99 on the side of the mountain to rescue that one that led astray. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? He is that good shepherd. That is our God. That is our shepherd. He doesn't send no one else. He goes to the rescue he goes on the offensive. He will do almost everything to bring us back. And guess what? He will bring us back through our suffering and pain. Our shepherd is not one to be far off in the heavens. and Not know what we go through. In times of need, our shepherd is near in our sufferings. He not only cares for us directly, himself, But he has also given us means of grace. He has provided a family, like-minded people that know what it means to be a believer that also experience the same or similar sufferings so that they themselves can care for others. He has given the church a multitude of gifts to be used for the equipping of the church for good works and for the care of those who are in need. Let us not neglect the care of our shepherd and the means he has provided. This, t- this Tuesday, the men gathered at George's house. And I know George is not here, but if he's listening, thank you, brother, for opening up your home. And what a blessing it was. Men came and gathered, and we fellowshiped, and we spoke godly things. And some of us had difficult questions that, that we're going through and wrestling with things, and we're all biblically giving answers to one another, encouraging one another. That is what God is giving us, family. He's giving you, us here, this. Don't neglect that. So I encourage you to come, come to the men's group, Go, come to the women's Bible study, come, come. Don't make it a habit of of not, you know, not needing, not not being without that. Because it is God's provision for you, for your care. We easily neglect that by searching and seeking other things. Oh, but Darren, I'm too busy. I cannot make it Tuesdays. Can you at least make it one? One Tuesday. Maybe. Come be encouraged. Come be equipped. That is the provision of our Lord. These are means of grace, and they are here for you, for your care. W. Hilltop says this in his book, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a great short book. It's an awesome, powerful book. It's about Psalm 23. If you ever read it, it'll help you understand this psalm better. And he said this, And in precisely the same manner, Christ, our good shepherd, made it clear that thirsty souls of men and women can only be fully satisfied when their capacity and thirst for spiritual life is fully quenched by drawing on himself. And we do that by going first to him, being in his word, and what? Being here, present with our family. His provision. Be here, be present. I love how David finishes this verse. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Our shepherd cares for his sheep intimately and personally because he loves us. But more importantly, because he loves his glory above all things. We can rely in that the shepherd will care for us and lead us in righteousness because he's doing it for his own name's sake. What a promise. God will never jeopardize his name being tarnished or put a stain on his name. Ever. There is nothing the Lord love, loves most than his integrity, his character, his glory, and his name. These are characteristics and attributes of His holiness. He would not put to shame His own name. And therefore, we can rely on this truth, that our shepherd will care for us. Take it as a promise, not only to you, but it is a promise that He's made Himself. Take that to the bank. First Samuel 12, says, For the Lord will not forsake His people, For his great name's sake. Because it pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Not that, not only are we to know that this is a promise, but also it is a humbling feeling for us sheep. That it is not for ourselves that the shepherd cares, but it is for him and his glory. It is a humbling verse because sometimes sheep think that they are above their sheephood we think that god owes us something and in reality he owes no one anything the reason we are sheep and he cares for us is for his own name's sake and that's a beauty beautiful promise Think about this statement. He cares because He pleases Him. He delights Him. And if He delights Him and pleases Him, He will forever continue to care for His sheep. Forever. Now my shepherd cares, but also my shepherd protects. This is my third point this morning. Let's take a look at verse 4 and 5. It reads, Even though I walk through the valley of shadows of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now another role of the shepherd is to protect his sheep. Like I said earlier, being a shepherd was a lowly endeavor. It was dangerous. And you had to be willing to protect your flock. If you lost your sheep, it meant that you lost a huge portion of your wealth or your master's wealth. A shepherd quickly needed to learn to defend his sheep from various dangers, from thieves and predators. A shepherd had to be fearless and be ready for hand-to-hand combat if he needed be. Even if it meant losing his own life. And David was a shepherd. He understood what a shepherd was. But he was a man of many troubles. His life wasn't perfect. He underwent many lives' pain. I mean, his own son betrayed him. He knew that walking through the life was like walking on a valley full of shadows. He explains to the reader that even in the shadows of death, He will not fear no evil because the shepherd is with him and he is protecting him. It is with his rod and staff that the shepherd makes his stand. With the rod he strikes the enemies of his sheep. And with the staff he's protecting and separating the sheep from the threat. Have you ever wondered how you are comforted with his rod and staff? That's how you are. The rod was to strike his enemies, the enemies of the sheep, and the staff was to protect and separate the sheep from the threat. That's what he does for you. Our shepherd not only fights our battles against our enemies, but also puts them to shame. To those young people here that are going through the school system, many of you have seen a lot of young people here, Or maybe you're getting ready to go to college and maybe you are oppressed by your enemies with new philosophies and ideologies. I know. Maybe you're mocked and ridiculed by your peers because of your faith contradicts their worldview. Maybe. What about those who suffer the lashing of corporate America and its pressures to have you conform to their agenda? A lot of us. Maybe you're here this morning and your wife or husband is not a believer and he and she is making it almost impossible at home for you to bear. Things are possible, right? Perhaps your boss is always trying to get the credit for the great work you do, maybe. It happens also. Or maybe you hear people slander your name for things that you have not committed at work. Maybe you are, ridic- you are the ridicule and people's joke at your job site. Maybe. Know this. You have a fearless shepherd and that doesn't tire, that doesn't sleep, and is ever ready to fight your battles. Surely he will put your enemies to shame, and not only that, but to overflow your cup with his grace. Let us read Psalms 34-7. Look what the Lord does for us. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers Him. Or maybe 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He protects. That is our shepherd. We can be reassured that our Lord is protecting his sheep, his church. It doesn't matter what the world may go through, may throw at us. It doesn't matter who is in power, who is starting wars. Our Lord is forever watchful and ready to protect. So whenever you look at the headlines on TV, don't be afraid. This world is quickly passing and fading. Our shepherds will destroy our enemies and bring them to shame. As David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Notice that the fight and protection is done by our Lord and not ourselves. We don't need to take any action. Our Lord would do that himself. And he will do it perfectly too. Isaiah says this about the end of days and about our enemies, the church's enemies. Isaiah 60:14 says, The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, to you. And all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord and Zion of the Holy One. That is what the Lord will do against your enemies. So when you hear of World War III, or famine, or economic collapse, don't let your hearts be troubled. For our Lord is our defender and our protector. Nothing can stand against God's holy nation. Not even the powers of hell can overthrow it. He is protector. Last point this morning. Shepherd saves, and let me... Land this plane. So far we've been 30,000 feet on, on the air and I want us to land on this last point. Now this is where the gospel becomes real. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David yearned for a lifelong relationship with God. An intimacy with him, with his shepherd. David here is making a distinction between his current life and his future life. And he wants to be with the Lord always. This life and the next. That is his heart. But how is David sure that he will be in the presence of the Lord when he passes from this finite finite world to the next? How is he is David sure how? Because of the shepherd's provisions, his care and protection. David looked forward in time and saw the shepherd at the cross and understood that only in Christ he finds salvation. Only in the shepherd he finds absolution, redemption. Only in the shepherd protecting him from the wrath of God. That was him looking forward. Thousands of years before. Since eternity past, it was God's desire and delight to predestine a people for himself. And although these people were lost in their trespasses and dead in their sinful nature, God also provided a shepherd from eternity past. He wasn't oblivious to our future sins. He knew we we needed a shepherd. We needed a Savior. And He provided that in eternity past as well. One that will mend the broken relationship between God and man. This shepherd forsook all His heavenly glory and became part of His sheep, becoming a lamb, blameless and spotless, without sin. The shepherd became one of His creation, humbled Himself even to the point of death for His sheep's sake. He endured the humiliation of death and death at the cross. For all that stare and place their hope on this shepherd will never put to shame, but will receive God's grace upon them and be called children of the living God. Christ is the good shepherd at the cross. Enduring God's wrath for you and for me. As John 10, 27, 30. I'm sorry, it's John 10, 27 verse, to, to verse, verse 30. I'm sorry. says, my sheep. This is Christ speaking. Hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish ever. And no one will snatch him out of my hand. My father, who has given to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. I am the father of one. Your salvation is secure in the shepherd. That is what David is saying. I'm able to see my future with the Lord because of the shepherd. He looks at the shepherd, not at his provisions. The shepherd. Since the moment we arrive in this planet, we walk through the valleys of shadows of death. We are always living at the limit, or to the limits. Death can come upon us in an instant. People fear the shadows more than they fear death itself. Because in the shadows, we have uncertainty of what is to come. God has placed eternity in the mind of men and their hearts. And it is this desire for eternity that also places fear in men's heart. That's why we walk through the shadows of life with the unknown. Many search truth and salvation through many means. But only the sheep who hear the shepherd's voice will ever walk through the valleys of shadow of death alongside their protector and savior. Only us who hear his voice, he will lead his sheep to the mountain top. That is why David was able to say with confidence, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, I, and shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In conclusion, next time you read this passage of Scripture, I want you to focus more on the shepherd than in, than in your sufferings. As real as your suffering is, and as painful as it may be, the shepherd becomes the peace and joy of those sufferings. He will remind you that you're not alone. He is the good shepherd. He will provide. He cares. He protects. And only He saves from all these things. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a encouraging promise. That you are our shepherd, Lord. Lord, your provisions are awesome. No one can deny that. You're most, you're lovely. You're highly exalted. Rich, Lord, you are. We are in awe of you. That is our heart this morning. Fall in love with the shepherd, not the provisions the shepherd gives. Only in the shepherd we find salvation. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for being our good shepherd. You care for us on our daily on our daily struggles, on our daily needs. You give good provisions. You care for us when we're wounded, when our hearts are broken, when we cannot make Sure of things. When we don't have it all figured out, Lord, you're there, mending our hearts, holding us to be more like you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you because we don't see it all. We cannot protect us from everything And you, Lord, ever watchful, ever present. Thank you for your shepherdhood. Thank you because you are the good shepherd. Lastly, Lord, thank you for your salvation. I pray that if someone heard This message today, whether here or online, Lord, Lord, may your word never come void. May you restore hearts, bring them to life, bring them to you, the good shepherd. Amen.